my first smartphone was a visor phone and it was, this is like 2001 and I, it was the future. I was doing things that nobody could imagine. And when I tried to show people these things, they're like, yeah, I don't need that. And I was like, yes, you do. You just don't know it yet. And it took seven, eight years for anybody to believe me. So for example, uh, there was a database software program, which sounds like the nerdiest thing ever. And it was, but I created a bus schedule. I didn't know how to program. I still don't, but I just like took this paper schedule and I created a like a thing where you could like tap where you were and it would show you what the bus was coming next and how long you'd have to wait. And I like distributed it across the University of Minnesota. There were just people that had their little nerdy PDAs everywhere that were running my app, but we didn't know it was an app. It was just like a thing that I made. And now we live in a world where that is just completely and totally commonplace. Uh, one question. Does it hurt knowing that if you were born 10 years later and made that app, you would have been a millionaire? Yeah, no. If I had just like put it on the internet and said, give me a dollar for this thing, I would be a millionaire. This is What's Tech, a show where we answer that question. What is tech? Because it seems these days like tech is kind of everything. My name is Christopher Thomas Plant, and I'm joined today by Dieter Bone. And we're going to answer this question. What is a smartphone? So, Dieter, what is a smartphone? A smartphone is a computer that you can fit in your pocket that can uh, communicate with the Internet wirelessly and make phone calls. Like, at, at its most basic level, that's what a smartphone is. Uh, we think of it as a whole lot of other things now, and the definitions of, like, what counts as a dumb phone, what counts as a tablet, gets very messy. And so trying to define it uh, by a size or a certain characteristic beyond just its computer with a radio that you can fit in your pocket uh, ends up just causing hassles. But that's that's the core of it. And it sounds really basic and dumb, but uh, the things that it enables are really difficult to predict and have turned out to be way more important than anybody realized 15 years ago. I kind of want to talk about that big gap of time. Uh, namely, I want to know when smartphones began to exist. And you hinted at this in the intro. But how has the, I guess, audience uh, for a smartphone changed since those early days and today? Well, the the thing that everybody points to as like the defining moment for the smartphone is the iPhone in 2007. But there were plenty of smartphones before that. And there were proto smartphones even before that, that crazy visor phone that I had in 2001. Um, so they've been around for quite a while. Uh, but for the most part, the, the people have thought of them as sort of, you know, funny little appliances that are good for email. So that's what a Blackberry was. Uh, Palm smartphones were a PDA that had a phone like strapped to it. Uh, Nokia had its uh, regular phones that it, it didn't really know what to do with them, but they were definitely phones. And then they just kind of started tacking on crazy stuff to them. And it wasn't until the iPhone that somebody said, just hang on a minute. Let's think of this thing from top to bottom and not think about bootstrapping other technologies onto other technologies and, and making something from that. Maybe that's not fair because, you know, a BlackBerry was always a BlackBerry. Um, but even then, like it was originally a pager. Right. So it wasn't until uh, basically Steve Jobs and the iPhone that we saw somebody really slow down and say, cool it. This is what it should be soup to nuts instead of evolving some previous technology. So you mentioned uh, two names in there that I want to kind of double back on. Uh, 
One of them being Palm, yeah. which when I think of the original PDA or smartphone, I definitely think of Palm. And I know you have a history with them, which we'll probably get into. <laughs> yeah. uh, and, and the other that I picture is Nokia, because yep. when I was in, I guess, I don't know, junior high or high school, everyone had, was it the N900? Or it was that one that looked like a candy bar. And it felt like before the iPhone, those were the people. Like yep. that that's what the future was. And I even remember when the iPhone came out, there was skepticism that this company was going to be able to compete with them. So two parts. What happened to Palm? <laughs> and, and and then after that, what happened to Nokia? How did we get to this point? So the funny thing is with both Palm and Nokia, if you look at the, the grand arc of their failures, uh, they actually sort of failed well before people started to notice. Uh, and they failed in that they they didn't fundamentally redo their whole platform. And so they, they failed. Basically, uh, they weren't courageous enough in hardware, and they were definitely not fast enough in creating new software platforms. So Palm's software platform, uh, eventually they made, you know, this thing called WebOS, which was very exciting, and I was very into it. Uh, but their trio line, and that was running on Palm OS, and it was running on Windows Mobile, uh, these were platforms that were designed for PDAs and then kind of got like, you know, ham-fistedly put onto phones and it was never a great fit. And Nokia had the same problem, but from the exact opposite direction, they had phone software that made a lot of sense in a, you know, a standard traditional candy bar flip phone kind of world. And they just kept on growing it and growing it. And they did some really cool stuff. If you were to do a feature breakdown of that that super uh, Nokia that you mentioned, the, and I think it was the N900, um, you know, it had dual speakers. It had a browser that was very good. It was based on the same technology that the iPhone's browser was on. It had more memory. It had a memory slot. It had all this crap. Uh, they Literally every single thing anybody could imagine putting on a phone was on this Nokia phone. And it was still not as compelling a package as the first iPhone even though the first iPhone didn't have all of those specs because the first iPhone was like a fully conceived device from the beginning. And I wasn't an iPhone believer either uh, when it first came out, by the way. I I had a hard time accepting that it even counted as a smartphone when it first came out because in my world back then, um, and I suppose now, uh, a smartphone, to be a smartphone, needed to run programs. And the iPhone could only run programs off of the web and the web at that time wasn't ready to have like programs that were iPhone ready. And so it was more like a supercharged awesome phone than it was a smartphone in my mind. Uh, that turned out to be very wrong. Uh, I was deeply wrong, uh, but that's okay because it turns out that you can be deeply wrong and change your mind. Well, let's dig so. into Apple. I guess I, I guess I shouldn't be surprised that Apple and Google became so dominant considering it is a small computer that's in your pocket. Yeah. But but it, it seems strange at the time. I mean, how how did these two companies that until that point had no experience making telephones mm-hmm. become the people making telephones? So this, it actually gets really strange uh, when you think about, well, with Apple, it's, it's a pretty straightforward story. They made an amazing thing. Uh, it was very, very popular. Uh, it worked very, very well. And they, and this is the key part. Uh, they managed to get a, a cell phone carrier in the U.S., namely AT&T, back then it was called Singular, uh, to get on board with letting them do what they wanted to do. And so that's like, it's a straight, like, they made the right thing for the consumer. They got, they got a carrier to get out of their way, and they just ran. So, and then they were just able to iterate and develop and release the App Store and 
so on. So that line is actually relatively simple. Actually, can we pause yeah. for a second in that? Because I've heard this before that like AT&T or Singular played an important role. They got out of the way. What does that mean? Like what did they do for them other than help them with money, advertising? I, I, I don't so understand. The, the way that phones uh, used to work and the way they work on a lot of companies still uh, is if you wanted to release a phone, say on Verizon, uh, you would go to Verizon and you'd say, here's a phone we want to make. And Verizon would say, cool, make this phone instead. Your idea is okay, but you need to incorporate all of our ideas and you need to put our software on it and we're going to market it and we're going to sell it and it's going to have our name on it. And if you're lucky, uh, a few super fanboy nerds might know that you made it, but really it's ours because we own the complete relationship with the customer and you're just, you know, a schmo that puts parts together in a plastic box. Um, and so what... AT&T did uh, was basically be the only carrier who was willing to take a chance on not being the first thing that a person thinks of when they get a phone. And you think of Apple having an iPhone, not AT&T having an iPhone. And that was something that very, very few companies had uh, succeeded in getting anybody to do ever before. Originally, when I wrote the kind of notes for this episode, I had this question, is a smartphone for everybody? And I believe it was in a recent issue of the MIT Technology Review where they talked about this idea of the rising cost of poverty, Mm -hmm. that to just exist in the modern workspace, certain peculiar things are demanded of you in the recent years that weren't before, like being able to be connected to email all the time. And so the idea that everyone is required to have a smartphone. Is that true? Or or is there a a way to get through life right now where you don't need to have the internet connected to you at all times? Uh, I mean, I suppose there is. There's billions and billions of people that do it around the world. Uh, But I think that the the right way to think about that question isn't, do you need a smartphone? It's that in five years, will you be able to get anything that isn't a smartphone? Uh, You know, uh, Basically, uh, phones were always computers. Like, there was never a cellular phone that didn't have a microchip in it, right? That, And then, you know, they almost always had screens. Um, and so, like, there was o- it was always a computer and a radio in your pocket. Uh, but increasingly, it's so cheap and easy to make that computer do extra stuff that it, they're just all going to be smartphones. And, you know, can you survive without being connected to email? I mean, that's a, that's a pretty big question. I think the answer is eventually probably going to be no, and that's kind of a bummer. But on the other hand, the, the benefits that uh, you get, especially in, say, you know, developing markets, um, you know, uh, Bill Gates is like talking a lot about mobile payments. Nokia is a company that actually was talking about using phones as banks for a long, long time. Um, it's a big deal. Like the trade-off that you get from having to deal with having a computer in your pocket is uh, enormous and that, you know, you people will be able to have banking for the first time, which is life-changing. People will be able to, you know, talk for very, very cheap if you find the right messaging service, like a WhatsApp or something, uh, with anybody anywhere. Um, that is remarkable. And just the the bare fact of that is remarkable. But then the the cultural effects of what that does to our lives and the way we think about each other is something that we're not even close to having our heads wrapped around. So, yeah, is it possible to live without a smartphone? Sure, but, you know, it's, it's it, eventually that's going to be like asking, is it possible to live without being literate? Sure. You know, like, and the difference between being literate and having a smartphone is a smartphone isn't free. Um, but, again, I'll, I'll go back to the point I was making earlier that long-term, I really hope that we find a way to get these things to talk to each other and to the larger internet uh, without having to deal with those 
super high networking costs. Sure. Uh, so I have a quick fire round for you. Okay. Uh, a series of questions. Uh, one, I'm going to out you as somebody who I've seen using more than one smartphone at the same time. <laughs> so I personally, this is between you and me. We're sure we're not going to put this on the podcast. Nobody's ever going to no, hear this. No, no, no. Uh, why, 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 why would anyone ever do this or need to have more than one smartphone on their person? The answer is you never need to have more than one smartphone. You really don't. Got it. Uh, if for some reason you feel constrained by your personality or your job to have multiple smartphones, I will not judge you, but I will also not judge people that do judge you. I carry multiple smartphones because I feel like I need to be adept at multiple smartphone platforms. This is something that's been my whole job for got 15 years now, uh, knowing Android, knowing iPhone, knowing Windows Mobile, knowing BlackBerry, knowing all this crap. Um, there are some people that just desperately love having a physical keyboard on their phone, and so they want to carry a BlackBerry, or their job makes them carry a BlackBerry or whatever. Um, so if you do happen to carry two smartphones, don't worry. You're still a good person. I don't think you're a bad person, but I also will not not complain if people laugh at you. Okay, next question. Is, is it true that smartphones are giving me cancer of the nuts? Maybe. Okay. <laughs> Sorry, man. That's the answer. It, it, so, wait, the, the, so you know, I almost answered this on because like, I thought it was like a dumb question. Like, no, I must be crazy. But no, there's a maybe? The, the, the answer is nobody's found uh, definitive evidence that it's yes. <sighs> okay. Uh, next up. Uh, uh, I'm, the, so, I'm, next just, I'm just like so depressed. <laughs> I'm just thinking about how I need, I like, I need to start carrying it somewhere okay, else. I, I, uh, so I'm going to run my crackpot theory past you. Okay. Okay. So I come from the world of video games mm-hmm. where uh, video game consoles, especially once Sony and definitely once Microsoft got in the mix, have just been a long con to get computers under your TV and to own the living room technologically. Right. The weird thing that happened uh, over this really long con is smartphones showed up and now you have the ability to connect your smartphones to a television. Uh Am I crazy to think that the thing that we're carrying in our pocket will become eventually the one-stop source for all of our entertainment, something that entertains us on the go, but Mm -hmm. is also what would have been the thing that lived under our television? So I have two answers to that. One is this is a... I think I look at that conflict in the same way I look at like the conflict in the very, very early days of the original personal computer. Um, back before the Mac popularized the idea, or the Apple II actually, go back there, popularized the idea of a personal computer in your house, there was a huge debate of, do you need all that computing power on your desk, or do you just need a really, really dumb terminal and all that computing power is out at some server somewhere? Um, the cloud, we call it now. Um, and that same debate is going to continue. And so, you know, is everything going to live centered on this phone in my pocket or am I going to have lots of little dumb terminals all over the house and like my console is one of them, my phone is another one. Uh, I think it's always going to be a mix, but ultimately people like having those powerful computers on them and it's easy to do, right? These phones are amazing. And so it it's certainly likely that your phone is going to be the center of this stuff, but it'll be in a way that is symbiotic with, you know, these giant services up in the cloud from Microsoft and Sony and Google and Apple and whomever else. Um, 
which is both inspiring because it means that like, oh, cool. So if my phone dies, nothing, it's okay. I can just get another one and plug it in and everything's great. But it's also terrifying because you want to maybe live in a world where you feel like you've got complete control over stuff because you bought the expensive, you know, supercomputer instead of the thin client. Uh, but I don't think that like we're going back. I think I don't think we're going to get away from a place where these giant corporations are able to sort of intermediate between us and the stuff that we want to do. Sure. Um, and now for the final part of pretty much every episode where we look into the future. Mm. I'm going to gamble on the future of smartphones. Uh, what what am I going to say a smartphone looks like in 15 years? 15? One yeah. five? Man. Um, I would say that smartphones are like fashion. So, you know, for everybody, like, you know, remember Zoolander? The joke was sure. a tiny little phone. And now we have these giant, huge, you know six inch phones there's a new apple iphone every year there's dozens and hundreds of android phones every year uh there's going to be more of other kinds of phones and people are just going to try different things and tastes are going to change in smartphones just like taste change in fashion but the thing that's different is you know there's only so many new materials and clothes but there's always new crazy stuff you can do with phones and uh, there's an incentive for these manufacturers to throw them at you so i think that you should keep an eye on flexible phones and flexible screens i think that uh there's a lot of companies working super hard to make like folding screens or like little projecting screens all the stuff you see in like a sci-fi movie where a guy like and then like a display appears magically in front of him um the other thing that you should think about is uh, your phone might end up looking just like a little, like, I don't know, credit card puck thing that you keep in your wallet. And what you're actually, what you actually have are some eyeglasses or some other display. People have played around with the ideas of just having the phone literally be a radio and a computer, but then the display is separated from that. And you can have it display wherever you want. You could have it be on the wall via a hologram. You could have it be on your glasses via like something like Google Glass. Or you could have it be in your hand via just a you know a display panel. Um, so I would I would see that in 15 years we're going to have some kind of major technological jump that makes us rethink the way that we integrate these computers into this single slab of glass and metal. That we're going to do something significantly more creative. So the thing connected to the dumb terminals could very well be another dumb terminal. Right. Yeah. That's perfect. Well, Sorry. thank you for joining <laughs> me. And uh, it's amazing how many times these shows end with me being depressed about the future. I, I really you enjoy it. Be no, it's going to be fantastic. Yeah. Minus the epic wars and the drone battles, but like, well, I'll be covered in cyber Look, man, skin. You can find out who starred in Veronica Mars episode four right now in less than 20 seconds. That's life changing. The FAA had to tell us not to use drones at the Super Bowl. That's, that was the dream. We passed it. I can order pizza <laughs> off my computer. It's great. We're here. Um, thank you for joining me, Dieter. Uh, thank you for listening. Uh, this is What's Tech. Until next time, we'll see you later.